welcome to Forever Canada. <laughs> the podcast where the dog goes and sits down and we talk about just about every plot thread in the entire galaxy, past and present. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. And everything is recording. So here we go this week on Forever Canon. This week, wink, we talk about New Jedi Order Book 3, Dark Tide 2 Ruin by Michael A. Stackpole, chapters 9 through 12. We are hitting the third point. (laughs) (laughs) The third way point. I know. See, I didn't want to say that because it sounds worse. The end of the first third? Mm, sure. Act one, if oh, you will, I like that in a better. script format, right? Like, that's how they say you're supposed to write movies. Yeah. Write them in three acts. Something happens, and then things change, and then we fix everything or don't and suffer the consequences, uh, depending on what, what kind of story you want to write. But here we are this week. That's what we're doing. But first, bum, bum, bum. Previously, on Forever Canon. Many Jedi meet about not war. Mm -hmm. Jason thinks too much. Jaina keeps moving. Leia arrives in the Empire. And Luke is tired. And conscripts Chalco. He's so tired. He needs to hire a random dude from a spaceport on a galaxy-faring mission to track down a rogue Jedi. Mm-hmm. We need this weirdo guy from the spaceport. We need him real bad. But that was last week, okay? That was last week. And God, do I ever hope that it does not come up this week. Because... <laughs> why? 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 It, it, it definitely was a weird choice. Mm-hmm. Just all the way around. It was a weird... Was it? Was it a weird choice (laughs) to bring this innocent stranger out of nowhere into the Jedi business? Or is it all going to be revealed to be like a Scooby-Doo thing where we pull his mask off and it's been her the whole time? (laughs) We'll find out. Chapter 9. We start with Shadowshai. Alright, I probably shouldn't throw Asian accents on that. <laughs> but like the Yuzhan Vong, like the whole thing is is very, it's very, uh, now that I'm thinking of it, it's very like Asian flavored language anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, not to say, not to say like the scarification and 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 death worshiping no 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 no. none of that just like the way the words are spelled yeah that's all (laughs) and how we interpret how they're supposed to be pronounced because there's a lot of vowels and consonants in weird places and what does that tell us even more about racism in the 2000s right so scared about asian people Mm -hmm. china well they're communist and so look out you know like just just is it just blatant racism where like Ten years earlier than this book was written, they all would have, like, Russian-sounding names. Yeah. You know, like... Weird. How I just named, like, the two countries in the year of 
our Lord 2022, who have not condemned the horrible illegal actions of the Russian government and military, uh, those two countries. And you know what I think about all the time? Not to point a gun at you with my fingers while I'm talking about war. (laughs) I think about all the time, Firefly. Have you ever watched Firefly? Uh, Bits and pieces, not... Well, like, the whole thing is predicated on the fact that, like, the Russians and the Chinese governments teamed up and then, like, nuclear war happened. And then I was like, there's, like, something that happened, like, five years ago. Maybe when this whole thing kicked off with, like, Crimea or something and, like, then they started doing whatever they were starting to do in Ukraine. Not anywhere on the scale they're doing now. And I was like, bro, did somebody accidentally write the future? Did somebody far an eyesighter this this entire <laughs> world that we live in? And now we're living in like we are so beyond so beyond parody now. Mm-hmm. Was uh, we've experienced an entire lifetime's worth of tragedy in 5 years. Like socially. Yeah. Not personally. Yeah. yeah. Some people definitely. Mhm. Luckily, not me. Thankfully. Yeah, I've been all right. Knock on my wooden brain. But like, man. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a way to think of it. I wonder why, like, we villainize these these countries and these leaders. It's more about the leaders. Yeah. It's not about the people. But all these words are real, real Asian spelt. The Yuzhan Vong, the Shedao Shai, maybe not Namanor. What was the what? What is? What are some of the other names that we've got? And then I guess maybe all the like living technology stuff is not so much. I'm way lost off on a tangent right now. Yeah, but I I noticed, man, the the spelling and the pronunciation definitely sounds that direction. I shouldn't have said it with an Asian impression. Is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And now we'll talk about Shedao Shai. With his special snake staff, clad in Von Dune crab armor. Tim. Mm-hmm. It's more living technology like we just talked about. Yes. And doesn't this crab armor always remind you of Darth Bane and his Orbalisk armor? Yeah, it does. Man, it really does. And how many years ago was that? Like, like 5,000 years ago or something? Something like that. What if they were here then? What if that is like... The planet that he found those orbalisks on that, that he then, uh, what's the word where you are like symbiotic, I guess. No, that's not parasitic pair <laughs> that he like forms this parasitic bomb with this thing that actually was from like a failed terraforming Yuzhan Vong plan from 5,000 years ago. Cause you never know how long they've been here. For. <laughs> yeah. So far, we only have evidence of, like, 50. But he's got this, like, living crab armor that's rock-hard, plate armor, coral, shell-looking stuff, and he's a badass. I don't know. What? That's what? Anyway. A slave tries to kill him. And Shidao Shai, the Yuzhan Fong, spares the life of this human slave that tries to kill him. This goes absolutely against everything that we know about the Yuzhan Vong mm-hmm. so far. So far? So far. You shouldn't be doing accents I either. I shouldn't. No, you quite shouldn't be doing accents either. No. 
It's a bit fucked in here. <laughs> kind of because I'm not great at it. And neither am I, huh? <laughs> oh, it's a bit of a tough night to be out here tonight <laughs> drinking too many beers and trying to do too many accents. It's been a thing. That was a lot of things. Anyways, yeah. guys. Shit out, Shy. Saves this guy. Sorry. Spares this guy's life. He attacked you. He tried to kill you. You're like a commanding officer in the in the Yuzhan Vong warrior cast. As you know, he makes very clear the Praetorite Vong, the priests and scouts that came here before the warriors, they had no business trying to make war at Helskafor. And so I, I ignore their loss and their and, yeah. and their failure there because it doesn't fit my narrative. Mm-hmm. But you know, what the heck? What what are we trying to learn about these Yuzhan Vong here in these chapters? At least at least he's being named. Yeah. He's got a name. He's not just nameless, blobless, massive slaves. Mm-hmm. It's a guy and a guy. And then he saves a guy's life, and then another Yuzhan Vong is named. Because we've learned a lot of lessons from Dark Tide One. Shadow Shai's right hand man, his his aide de comp. Yeah. If you will. Is named Dane Leon. Like, for sure, hitting them Asian vibes, dude. Yep. This young man is ambitious. He's cunning. He's deadly like the rest of the Yuzhan Vong and definitely going to betray me at the worst moment. That's why I picked him. To prove that I'm the hardest. Yeah. Right. And it's, like, supposed to be sort of a commentary on, like, how, you know, this culture of stab everyone in the back is is bad guy stuff. The culture of prove how tough you are by threatening everyone and yourself all the time. Like, that's bad guy stuff. Yeah. You know, villain stuff, villain stuff, villain stuff. Not to be exclusive. There's bad people of all genders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this guy is a guy, as far as we know. But like, man, yeah, so so stereotypically indicative of villainary, villainary, villainous behavior are these Yuzhan Vong, where he's like, ah, I'll save this slave's life. But you know why? Because we need to learn more about the people of this galaxy. We don't know what we're doing here. We don't know what's here, really. We need to learn more about them. And so, I've got some questions. Yeah. I, Shadow Shy, have some questions. Yeah. But you have some questions, too? No, it... it but not, he's got questions. And yeah. not only does, like, he he wants to know more because apparently the priest didn't give enough information or, or share that well, information. Well, they failed and all got blown up. So, yeah. they maybe didn't have time to, yeah. But that Get slave the through the villops. was defiant and unafraid even in the face of death. So he's like, okay, you might be useful. Yeah. Oh, you have some chutzpah. <laughs> there you go. Some spunk, if you will. But he, Shadow Shai's main question is, why hasn't the New Republic retaliated yet? For all of these planets that we've invaded and launched offensives at, we smashed CERN put all the bits with its own moon. Helska 4 has been blown to ice shards because we went and took it over with some freaky mind beast and you guys all had to blow it up. Belkadan 
is a mess of atmospheric destruction, mm-hmm. environmental destruction. Why has there not been any retaliation yet? Both sides feel like they need more info. This is his insight. He's like, they must be gathering intel just like I am and should be. The reason why they haven't struck yet is because they don't know enough about us, just like we don't know enough about them. So he heads to his aquarium headquarters on Dubrillion. Yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a choice, right? Yeah. He's like, I'm just going to, I want to have an office in the tubes of fish. That's what I want. Because Senator Elagos Akla has arrived for his well-intentioned peace talks that we, you know, we're, we're told about early in earlier chapters. Mm-hmm. Here's what he's going to do. He's going to meet with the Yuzhan Vong and find out who they are and what they want and how we can come to some better agreement than extinction of one or another. Yeah. Because truly, that can't, that can't be the outcome. That cannot, that cannot be the outcome of the war because that's impossible. If you come to an understanding where you must both sides destroy each other to oblivion, you can never achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. You can never achieve that goal. No. There's, there's always somebody. And so, here in book three, we're talking about what other solutions are there to killing each other? And this idiot bravely, very, very bravely, right? Truly bravely. Yeah. Truly, truly. He knows he's probably going to die just even going to ask them, hey, what's up? (laughs) Yeah. Probably going to get my head cut into 150,000 pieces or so, but I'm going to go do it anyways. These well-intentioned peace talks go much better than I anticipated by a mile. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Shadow Shai takes off his helmet in a disgusting show of respect, according to his aide. Right? He makes a bunch of faces when he's taking his helmet. Like, I can't believe you would show this nobody your identity and or or give him the excuse me the pun, if you will, deign to show him your visage while you destroy him because you should be murdering him while you're listening to him. Dane Leanne is disgusted. I'm there, now I'm trying. Now I sound like I'm talking about a southern lady. <laughs> <laughs> Madame Leanne. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, like, uh, what? I, what? What is? What is happening in this part? He takes his helmet off. He goes and talks to him, right? And he's like. Uh, Maybe I should kill you. He threatens the senator with his sexy, totally not Asian, T-S-A-I-S-I, an English word, (laughs) which is really just what an amphistaff with like stars on the side of it that show your rank or something. Yeah. It's the same like snake coil stabby whippy thing. Yeah. It's a little shorter. But it's for bosses. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right? It's it's like, I got the same gun as you, but... Mine's got decorations. Mine's got a medal on the side. Yeah. yeah. Like, M-E-D-A-L. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's got his insignia on the side. And... So, so he threatens the center. You know I could kill you. You know I should probably kill you for coming here. 
And then he slap bracelets that thing back onto his wrist, and he agrees that they will learn about each other. Mm-hmm. Have we reached step one? Has Elagos reached step one of his plan? There's there's a, a mutual respect. Make, make contact and survive. Yeah. There's a mutual respect going on, I think. Elagos knowing that I'm going there, I'm probably going to die. These people are dangerous. And dangerous being the greatest understatement of a Star Wars story like ever so far. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then on the other side. And I don't mean that on your part. I yeah. mean like on him. He, he's doing this. <laughs> yeah. And on the other side with uh with the Yushan Vong, he's they're like Shadow Shai is saying, This guy came here. It too he knowing he's going to die, I'm gonna And they value that strength of will. Yes. Just like he showed in the slave, right? Yeah. And I spare com- this slave because he shows me the will to die for his convictions. Yes. Whatever he believes, whether I think it's stupid or mechanically abominational or not Mm -hmm. he believes in enough to die for it and i respect that because that's who i am and that's the lens that they see everything through right is like you can care about things or you can die for it (laughs) period yeah (laughs) Uh, exclamation point upside down exclamation point ah this is speaking my wife's language i caramba (laughs) <laughs> it was a Bart Simpson joke. My, my man, my kids, my my oldest son is obsessed with The Simpsons right now, and which led to my youngest son asking what "gay" means. Ah, because you know The Simpsons and and the nineties and the early two thousands. The big joke was gay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a good joke, idiots! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and so you know whatever trying to explain to a seven-year-old like if you like a person who's the same as you if that's the person you want to kiss and marry that's called gay <laughs> and how else and, just, and then just being like no matter what anybody ever tells you about who they want to kiss and marry just be nice to them who cares it yep. doesn't matter you kiss and marry whoever you want you be nice to anybody you ever find that wants to kiss and marry whoever they want just be cool Mm-hmm. Just be cool. I'm trying to like make it for a seven year old, right? Yeah, and that that's the only that's the only way to go through that uh, conversation. Well, and that really is like actually tied to uh, you know his personal expression of stuff before. Where one time he looked at me and Danielle, me and Danielle who are not married, by the way, and he was like, "I know you two kissed <laughs> at your wedding." like all threatening or something because like we were watching afv wedding videos or something the week before whatever and then (laughs) he's just that's the way he internalized it right so i'm like i hope i just hope you walk away with something positive from that Mm -hmm. you know don't be mean to people because of who they want to kiss who why would you care yeah are they kissing you right now then you can care (laughs) <laughs> yes yes no matter who it is yeah honestly even if it's your aunt or grandpa or like whatever somebody you do or don't want to kiss you you're allowed to care it's your face <laughs> yeah <laughs> someone else in their own face and you shut your mouth just do your own thing and enjoy everybody for who they are yep trying to make it digestible Simpsons explanation for a seven-year-old. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, this is the first time he said anything about it. Dude, they're like eight, ten seasons in. Oh, wow. 
they're so far into the Simpsons. Seth picks it almost every morning before school. And I'm like, this must be bad. <laughs> like, I'm going to get in trouble. You know what I didn't hear about? Yeah. Didn't get a message from the teacher about. So Lincoln came to school and said, you knocked his tooth out with a hockey stick playing road hockey in the driveway. No, that didn't happen because you want to know why? I'm going to put this on the record. Lincoln, I hope someday when you're older, you listen to this podcast and you remember this day and you're just like, that was funny. And I handled it well. The first day of March break falls walking home after school, the Friday before March break even starts leaving school for March break. He goes, when do we go back to school? I'm like, uh, why? <laughs> <laughs> Because obviously you've got something on your mind. All right. This all right, major tangent. We're only 21 minutes in. I'm shocked. I haven't finished the first we're on chapter. chapter nine. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, anyways, anyways. He goes, we're having pajama day and stuffy day. The first day back after March break. Fast forward through not joking. Every day. How many days left till school? Every day of March break. And he's having a great time. Playing games. We went to the beach, hang out with the dog, go to the park every day. Having a great time. Road hockey in the driveway five days a week. Gets his tooth knocked out. Having a great time. Every day he goes, how many days do we go back to school? Because we're having a pajama day and a stuffy day. He's so excited. Well, then the Saturday before the Monday going back, just a few days ago. Just a few weeks in the future, if you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> checking the date and timestamps we got new pajamas for the kids because like they're outgrowing stuff yeah Just grab a few new pairs and throw it in, in the mix and he's like oh, i'm saving these ones for monday i'm gonna wear them on school to school on monday get your pajamas on monday brush your teeth have breakfast get ready rock go to school bring a gigantic stuffy that's half the size of his body. It's this green dragon. with it doesn't fit in his backpack. Enormous. Absurd. Mm-hmm. Go have a great time. Go back to school. He's having so happy to go to school. I'm like, good. Go enjoy it. You're going to hit that tipping point eventually. <laughs> I go pick him up after school. He's got a sweater on. He comes up. And he goes, it wasn't pajama day. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, I was so hot all day. I'm like, why? I kept my sweater on. I'm like, okay, you know you didn't have to though, right? Like you could take your sweater off and nobody's going to care. And he's like, I don't think anybody was going to care, but I was so embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to keep my sweater on. And not like upset, not bothered. He was chuckling and laughing telling me this. And I'm like, I hope forever, forever for the rest of your life you remember the March break that you asked every day when we go back to school so that you can be the only kid in your class wearing pajamas and he keeps a stuffed animal in his locker all day long. Tomorrow is real stuffy day and pajama day. Just a, a few short days later. Oh my God, dude. When he came out of the school and he was like, I was so hot all day. I was like, I was dying i was crying i was dying just going legitimately throughout the day i was like what if it's not pajama day 
And then, like, you know, like, he gets made fun of or something, and he has a bad day in grade two. Because mm-hmm. kids are kids in grade two and stuff. <laughs> oh, what a great answer. I was too embarrassed to take my sweater off, so I just was hot all day. <laughs> I was so hot, I drank my whole water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Your kids are adorable. Which, of course, is definitely, definitely on topic. Yes. For whatever I was talking about a moment ago when I said something about... Respect. What? That's where we went. And Plot me a course. Plot me a course. Oh, hey. Okay. Yeah, that's an easy course. Yeah. And and it was... From point to point to Lincoln story. <laughs> He, he is a point in that uh, in that whole story, but yeah, mutual respect is good for everyone, real life or stories. Well, and if you're embarrassed about who you are, you don't have to keep your sweater on all day. Mm-hmm. Just wear your fucking pajamas, man. Be pajamas if you are pajamas. <laughs> you know what he said? He said one kid said something, and it was like they were having funny joke together about it. Excellent. And I'm like, there you go. Be pajamas, bro. Wear pajamas every day. No. You got to learn also how to fit in a society. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't make the rules, but we live in a society, as they say. Oh, my God, Tim. Finish chapter one. Listen. Step one. Come to Debrillion and don't die. Step two. Shadow Shai invites him to understand the Yuzhan Vong better by entering... The embrace of pain. Mm-hmm. Well, he's gonna learn today, eh? He's gonna learn. He's gonna learn about the Yuzhan Vong. He's gonna learn all about it. He's gonna be like, he's gonna learn a lot about knowing for sure if it's pajama day or not. (laughs) (laughs) Cause he's gonna go into the embrace of pain. Guess what? Sounds bad. Yes. But this was a good chapter, man. Mm Mm-hmm. With a lot of like Okay, 26 minutes in. I'm so dumb. (laughs) Sorry, anybody who had to just listen to all that. But back to Star Wars. We've been missing all this cultural depth of the Yuuzhan Vong in the last book. We got it all established in the first book. And then in the second book, it was just gone. Mm -hmm. And they were like, uh, we're going to fight with slaves and we're not going to have names. Ha-ha. But now... It's almost like, you know, he wrote that book before the first one was done because of timelines and deadlines and schedules and what have you. And this one, he started writing after the first book came out. Yeah. Not Dark Tide 1. I mean, I mean, yeah, Vector yeah, Prime. First, yeah. 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 Because this one has all the depth that we wanted the entire time. And this, and this is a good chapter for all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Much needed. How about a chapter title? Tim, three. Two, one. Embrace of pain. I tricked you. Embrace of pain. Ah, we said the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if we're if we're gonna try and go with this theme of like picking words that are the most impactful <laughs> from the chapter, <laughs> this he goes welcome. Step into my office. <laughs> What's your office called? The embrace of pain. And we've heard that before, right? Because he's already been in it. In his personal quarters, 
when he was like rededicating himself yes. to destroying the infidels through death. Yeah, and, and he was <laughs> looking at his like trophy case and his family his, heirlooms. Yeah, his cultural history on his wall there and while being twisted and pulled and whatever. But also No, not no I'm not gonna you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna play dickhead genius right now, okay? Tell me, Tim, why this is also a nuanced great word and layered title. Embrace wow. of pain. Well, that's what Elagos is exactly going to do. Exactly right, dude. And it's not, you know, we write things down. And and then until we sit down and talk about them, <laughs> it's like, ah, some obvious things become clear. Yep. Yeah, he has come here to embrace pain for hopefully the greater good. Yeah. Because it doesn't even say something to shit out shy at some point about if my death even... Uh, if my death can avoid something like do brilliant again, which I witnessed myself, then, then my life be forfeit for that. Yeah. <laughs> I turned into an Irish proverb. At the <laughs> end there. But for uh, my life do <laughs> be forfeit for there. <laughs> something along those lines. <laughs> but yeah, embrace of pain. Mm-hmm. Cause he do, he do be embracing the pain. That's some Bale Domon for all you Wheel of Time fans. Okay, chapter mm-hmm. 10, finally. Mm-hmm. Half an hour. Don't time me. All right. I will, I will. I don't know why I looked at the monitor. I can't see it. It's a, <laughs> it's, Based on the squint that you did at it, it, no, you can't. It's a 50-inch TV. I can't read it. <laughs> no. No, you can't. <laughs> Chapter 10. Come on. Focus, Tim. Get it? <laughs> I'm having a hard time. Eye joke. <laughs> Boom. Corin Horn, Ganner Rhizode, Jason Solo, and six Nogri. Nogri? Ew. Egg Nogri. <laughs> six Nogri. Never gray. <laughs> They're all ready to launch their ship within a ship spy mission to Garki from... The Rowl Roost. Ooh, I got there. I wanted to call it the retaliation for some reason, but what are you chuckling about? <laughs> just laughing at all the words. The Nogree, Garky, it's just all the words together just triggered something. Welcome to a science fiction book, bud. <laughs> it's just making me laugh. But here's the thing. All right. It's time to get serious because here, what are we doing here? We're trying to investigate what the Yuzhan Vong are up to. And how are we going to do that? Well, we didn't talk about it in the previous chapter, but exactly how Shadow Shai tells us. We're going to insert ourselves into occupied worlds surreptitiously, secretly, mm-hmm. without being noticed. To gather information because, like he said, we don't know enough about each other. To launch offensives against each other. Except they keep doing it and they're winning. Mm-hmm. But here's the plan for Garky. The Lost Hope would leave the Ral Roost and head down. Then suffer a catastrophic engine failure. As it plunged into Garky's atmosphere, the ship would break apart. Debris would be strewn everywhere, and best chance, 
would be able to fly away free. By the time the Yuzhan Vong collected it, collected all of the hopes parts and figured out something was going on, the survey team, survey team, would have returned to the New Republic. So what's the plan? Fake a ship crash and start spying. Essentially. Hide a ship in a ship and hope that we can sneak through. Mm-hmm. Not much of a plan. Also, the ship that we need to escape on doesn't have a hyperdrive. So we can't just like jump to hyperspace and like run away from the star system on our own. But I'm sure that will be fine. Shadow Shai told us. Sorry, were you about to say something? No, I'm just laughing Shadow, at that. Shadow Shai told us that Craig Vall is in charge of Ongarki. Mm-hmm. He mentioned another Yuzhan Vong name. Right? Come on. I wonder how long he's going to be in charge for, though. Hello. Or I wonder how long he's been there. Did they only just invade there now? Obviously. But have they had insurgent agents there the entire time for 50 plus years, Tim? Very possible. We don't know their lifespan. Very possible. Cut to Jaina Solo and Rogue Squadron also leaving the Rowl Roost. She's a bit out of formation, though, so sticks. Well, quote, she nudged the stick to port. <laughs> Rogues are running cover for Corn Horn and Jason Solo's uh, spy team. And they're starting to fight the skips that come up from the atmosphere of Garky. Mm-hmm. And quote, Jaina broke to port. It's two. It's two. That's two separate ones again. Because in space... Everything is port. Going left is the everything only thing that matters. Everything is port. Deal with it. It's all port. There's no wine. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But here comes the dog. But my God, dude, move starboard once. Yep. Starboard. Whatever. However you want to pronounce it like a donk. But can we not only go left every time? <laughs> Although, okay, wait a second. This must be, this must be, I'm an idiot, right? Let's play the game. Let's play the game of, I'm bitching about something, but I'm not smart enough to know that I'm wrong about it. Right? You know what I mean? Like, you think you're right, but you're usually always wrong because of more details than you can know. You can't know the depth of stuff about things like, well, here comes dog claws, but things, okay, shaking dog also. Are you comfy? Are you go here? He goes to the chair. He's gonna find a spot, ladies and gentlemen. But here's what I was just about to say. If there's twelve people in the squad, mm-hmm. and we're going left, right, left, right, left, right, you can't roll starboard because that's where your wingmate is. Yep. I was thought as soon as you said maybe there's something we don't know about. I went, oh, she's yeah. eleven. They fly she's in pairs. She's number eleven. They're number twelve. They fly in pairs. She must be the left pair. This isn't in the notes. This is an epiphany like I was talking about. Because I'm like, why is it port and port and port? Like, say something different. You sound like a ding dong. But wait a minute. Maybe I'm the ding dong. (laughs) He he might actually know what he's writing. Wait a second. This guy might be writing smart stuff that I think is dumb. Yeah, using the same word, but in an actual... 
technical way that ma- that it actually makes sense because she is number 11 left or right 1 to 12 right. makes sense and that the the format there makes sense but also i would still argue stop saying the same thing twice in a paragraph that's true too right and that's the nuance and subtlety of life tim mm-hmm. more than one thing can be true at a time and that's not an exclusionary thing that makes other things not true that I that we haven't thought of. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Things can just be true at the same time. She has very good reason for only moving left. But also, don't just write the same word all the time. You know, set it up, port, port, and then make it be assumed to the smart people. Who would pick up on that? <laughs> like, ah, that's why. Because she's on the left. Idiot. She can only go left. She goes right. She'll kill her friend. Yep. And then just leave it, you know, less uh, repetitive for the people like me who aren't smart enough to pick up on that. Like, this is, wow. We wouldn't have picked what up. What an episode, Tim. <laughs> we wouldn't have picked up on it if it hadn't been repeated again and again. So, Or if we had recorded this two weeks ago when we should have. Two and a half weeks ago, in fact. Yeah. But Jaina broke to port. And then Jaina's wingmate, who we're told is Annie Capstan. She's good with a torpedo, apparently. And Jaina watches Jason's ship explode. All part of the plan. But she doesn't know that. Mm -hmm. Which kind of actually makes me think, we shouldn't know that. We shouldn't know that yet. Because if we want this impact to land, you know, let's, you know, not be a reader. Let's be a writer. If I want you to care that Jaina thinks Jason is dead, then I shouldn't tell you in the previous paragraph what the whole plan what is. What the plan is. I flip flop them two suckers. Yep. Yeah, big time. Or in, even intercut them in a one, two, three, four type of thing instead of flip flopping them. Yep. Where we get the first part, part of the plan, the ship explodes, and then we cut to them and, and whatever, whatever. Kind of removed all the drama of it that could have been there. And I'll tell you, drama wise, I'm very nervous as she gets a named wingmate, Tim. Yes. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. She is gonna get falcoed or toted or she she's it's, roasted. It's no, Skippy? that's not his name. Skippied. Oh yeah. my god. <sighs> Crown trigger though. Mm-hmm. Good game. Yeah. Anyways. She gonna die. There's no way, there's no way that that you get teamed up with a main hero. And you're a brand new person that I've been introduced to for the first time. And I expect you to be alive by the end of this book. No, no, there's going to be some battle and she's no, you're going to be, you're going to be emotional leverage for the main character that you're teamed up with to like grow and learn or become something different or whatever. It's bad news for you, but also bad news for Jaina watching her twin brother's ship explode. Yeah. Thinking he's dead now. Yeah, as we cut to Jason feeling Jaina's shocked anguish. Because only the team knows the plan. 
And things are uh, going wrong immediately with the plan, as all plans do. Yeah. We've got to now manually blow this ship up. Yeah, because the, the detonators aren't working, or one or two of them aren't working properly. Got to manually blow ship up. Get it? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a pun. It's not... Blow ship up is not an uppercase S. Yeah, good. Don't get crazy. <laughs> Just a little joke. Just a little joke. P.S. We are copying that sparring session we talked about in the beginning of the book, sort of. Oh, I just went really late night radio DJ pillow talk. And tonight we are talking about how the sparring session was absolutely foreshadowing. You're putting Douglas to sleep. I don't think so, because as oh. soon as you point at him, he's getting scratchy. Listen. I looked at him. But is that what we're doing? Are we copying the thing from the sparring session? Is that is that what we're doing here? We're pretending to be defeated by blowing up, and then we're going to sneak in a deadly attack? Is yeah. that what we're doing? Because we talked about... That is kind of what's going on. Why was that so pointed between Mara and Corrin Horn? Why was it so uh, uh, shoved in our face? Yeah. That what he was doing... Because it was like told to us that he was doing it on purpose. You know yeah, what I mean? Corrin likes the misdirect. And thus do the entire Jedi Order. And also the Sith. So look out. But hey. We get Jaina Solo. Mm -hmm. And we get Jaina Solo being an awesome pilot. Because she's going to be a big deal. And you know what else? So is thinking her brother's dead. I hope that's going to be a big deal. And not just like fixed in five seconds. Although actually come to think of it. Didn't Jason say something like... uh, as soon as the Ralroos jumps away from the planet, everybody's going to be told that yeah. everybody's fine. Yeah. So it is going to be short-lived, and thank God for that. Maybe that's the only reason he agreed to do that. So he's like, I've never done this to my sister. I've never done this to anybody. Yeah. Well, I hope not, idiot. What do you mean? <laughs> I've never pretended to explode in a ship before. <laughs> well, yeah. Why would you? Anyways. I liked all the pilot action because it was focused it was just Jaina and a wingmate it wasn't five or six people of a squadron it wasn't multiple perspectives it was just yeah Jaina flying trying her best and then watching her wingmate all of a sudden she had explosions in front of her ship and I was like oh she's dead already no that was her launching torpedoes mm-hmm. and I was like oh cool that was cool it's good pilot action not too busy not too long and I like, I like the dead Jason. Sneaky little implications. Yeah, and there's a there's a thing here that we've brought up a few times over the last, the beginning of this book and the last couple books, where Corin says a little cruelty now, yeah, justifies saves more later. So being bad guys makes you a good guy. Well, the ends justify the means. The ends justify the means, and he, um. What is it? What's the thing? Um, uh, something about a greater evil. <laughs> yeah, some. Uh... <laughs> so something about something about serve the greater good at the expense of a greater evil. No, I don't know. That doesn't make sense. That sounds like I just made that up. But there is a thing about something about that. Exactly like you're saying. Are we willing to sacrifice momentary bad things for overall good success? Like you know. 
slaughtering waves and waves and waves and waves. Excuse me, not slaughtering. Butchering mm-hmm. uh, thousands of reptite people at uh, Dubrillian. Chapter title, Tim? Gross overkill. Oh, that's a good one. We're still doing we're still doing the thing of, of picking words out of the chapter. Yep. Yeah, that's a good one. I went for um the names of the show Shopes. The Shopes. Them Shopes named. Last Hope. No. Alright, listen, Justin. Come on, man, you got this. Take a breath and just it's been forty five minutes. We're only through two chapters, but come on, you got this. You can still speak for more time if you need to. I named the chapter Lost Hope. Last chance. And I wonder about the duality of that tied to the twins. Why do we have twin ships, a ship inside a ship? Why do we have twin ships with very similar names? Mm-hmm. I haven't thought. Okay, again, again, epiphanous moment. <gasps> this is why you should listen to the podcast and not just read my notes. <laughs> Nobody does that. <laughs> I don't even read these again until it's time to review the entire book. But okay, listen. Who's the lost hope and who's the last chance? Based on the writing, Jason's the lost hope. He's gone. He's exploded. Yeah. And Jane is out there running away. The only twin left. If you have listened to previous episodes, let me know. Chapter 11. Is your hand okay? Yeah. It's just itchy. I'm good. <laughs> Chapter 11. Luke, Mara, Anakin, and fan favorite, Chalco. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that, you ask? Great question. I have no idea. Some ding-dong dude from a spaceport that just is a grifter and a shifter, and he's been conscripted by Luke Skywalker to come on this mission to help save a Jedi. Yeah, he's some weird shifty guy that breaks laws, and Luke said, let's go. But he's here, and we've all arrived at Vortex with taxi driver Mirax Tarek. Horn. Corn Horn's wife. She's Valen's and Gisela's mom. Mm-hmm. The kid who was like, I control bugs and I make Ganner have ants in his pants. This is mom. That's cool. Welcome to the party. Luckily, she has a, a good ship or something or like good connections or like she's got a good name or like all the, all yes. the reasons. Because we're allowed to land at Vortex or like Luke Skywalker connection? Or like, is it because like we know Mara Jade? I don't know. But we're allowed to land out on Vortex at the Cathedral of the Winds. But apparently, we have to stay outside of a two kilometer exclusion zone. No fly zone. Why, Tim? Yeah, uh... Apparently, Leia and Admiral Akbar had a little bit of a car accident at one point. They caused some sort of problem here. That's crashed not... into it. Is that what they say? They crashed into it. Oof. They flew a shuttle into it. Oof. So now, like, you're not really allowed to fly close to it. Yeah. And it sounds familiar to... This isn't spoilerific at all. Like, the Fountain of the Ancients from Clatooine, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Where, like... Oh, you two people, you went too close to the thing and you made a problem happen and now no one's ever allowed close to the thing again. Mm-hmm. 
dog kept his eyes closed the whole time. It's amazing. But like, this is like the this is like like the third or fourth callback to previous book or like old lore information that we've had in this book. Because uh, uh, I thought I would remember it. What was there was something earlier in this book that they were like ah. We've been to the, oh, uh, the Empire tried to break up Luke and Myra's wedding. And then there was another thing. This was, there was another thing. I swear to God, this is the fourth, the fourth, excuse me, Star Wars pun. Not the fourth time, but like the fourth time in this book that he has alluded to specific events in the past that have had, that have happened in books. Yeah. Not movies. Right. But talking about like, oh, Luke and Myra's wedding got interrupted by the Empire. And, oh, Leia and Admiral Akbar crashed a shuttle into this glass cathedral. Like, what? And what? And what? Or like, oh, uh, the kid, twins kids went to this place and did a thing. And they didn't. Oh, remember that we almost died? He keeps like calling back to all this old lore stuff. It keeps happening. Okay. Just, I'm saying Right, I'll keep watch, an eye out for it. Let's watch it for the rest of the book. I'm saying, we'll do. But once again, I have to ask. In this chapter with Luke, Mara, Anakin, Chalco, and uh, anybody else that you could ever need, I think R two's here. Yep, and there's and another R unit, Mirax, and her other R unit. That's right. We're lucky to get here so fast because we had two computation brains. Two, you know, guess here faster. That's the thing about hyperspace you don't consider. And I think we've said it multiple times across the years. Planets and stars don't stop moving. Mm -hmm. There is no road between two points. Everything's moving all the time, which means there's death gravity changing positions at all times. And you have to constantly, you know, recalculate. Yeah, rerun the math. But once again, I asked him, why is Chalco here? <laughs> he doesn't even want to wear his seatbelt. Yeah. He doesn't even want to wear his seatbelt. I that, can do it. I'll hold myself down. That tells me everything I need to know about this guy. As we cut to, well, time to meet the inhabitants of Vortex, Tim. Excellent. We've come to this planet on Luke Skywalker's hunch, and now it's time to meet... The Vores, a humanoid species of mammalian stock, hollow-boned with leathery wings that let them glide on the thermals rising from the plains. The Vores had an incredible sense of harmony within their species and with their world. This harmonic nature had inspired them to create the Cathedral of the Winds. I don't think I meant to read that part. Red? Mm, I, yeah. I don't think I mean to read that part. Um, they're mammalian humanoids with hollow bones and leathery wings. They're mammal birds. Give me real. I don't know if you remember this movie or ever saw it. Real Jeepers Creepers vibes. Oh yeah. Oh. Yep. I was actually just talking about that movie on Monday. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Because you read this? No. Because that's what this is. Why would that ever come up? I was watching a movie at my house with 
Louisa and Chelsea, and it just came up as you might like. And Jeepers Creepers was there. Oh we, we got god. all into it. Oh my god! Did you guys watch it? No, we're gonna watch it next week. When I want to come over, let me know. Monday probably. Oh, let me know. Okay. Anyways, anyways, that's the Vores. Freak, freaky, freaky, bionic mutation green goblin people. They're bats. Do bats have hollow bones like birds? I think so. Are birds mammals? Yes. No. What? Birds lay eggs. Mammals have live births. Right. That's dumb. Wait. Live babies. Yes. (laughs) Because mammals can't have live birds if birds aren't mammals. I I did say births uh, with a T. Oh, you said births? I thought you said mammals have live birds. (laughs) Damn. Don't Google mammals. Oh, my God. We're so stupid today. I'm so. I just want to know if bats have hollow bones. Tim, hella bones? Hollow. (laughs) I just want to know if bats have hella bones. Oh. No. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Forever Cannon, the podcast where we talk about whether or not bats have hollow bones, or if birds have live birds, or live births, or if mammals have birds and births. On this episode, everything but Star Wars. Previously, bum bum bum. Actual talking about the books. Yes. So, these guys are Jeepers Creepers, mm-hmm. and I don't like their yucky vibes. But thankfully, Tim, the Cathedral of Winds is some sort of collection of beautiful, sky-reaching, crystalline spires that are interwoven with holes that, when the wind blows through them, they're like... Gigantic, beautiful breeze flutes. It's kind of awesome, actually. Mm-hmm. And the way that it's described, like this, just the structure and like the feeling of like what's happening here, it's all very evocative for the moment. But we don't, we're gone. Yep. <laughs> we come to this cool place, we see a cool thing, and then we start talking to this weird lady. This Amwati woman, we don't even talk. We don't even interact with the Vors. Nope. We come to their planet and racistly ignore them. Because charging out of the Cathedral of Winds comes this woman that everyone knows, apparently. The worst written name I have ever seen in one of these books. 20... Two? One? In a bit. Nine and nine and on the third? And on the third, yeah, 21. 21. This is the worst name I've seen in 21 books. I wrote it down just because I needed to have it. I dare you. Three, two, one. As the dog is moving and getting comfortable, let's say it at the same time. To say, to see. Okay? Three, two, one. Queen sucks. I got, I got Queen sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I went with like, okay, when I, uh, <laughs> when I took Italian in university, there was like weird combinations of vowels and and consonants where like, C I would make a ch, ch sound. Yeah, it'd be chi, right? Not not key like you would think. And C H I would be the opposite. It'd be of a hard k instead mm-hmm. of a soft ch. So I went with Queen. Chooks. 
because it's not at all full of Asian inspired language in this book and this series at all. Look at this name. QWI. That's just that's just illegal scrabble. XUX. What are you doing? You cannot score two twenty-two points with three letters. You cannot do it. I won't allow it. It's the worst name I've seen in twenty-one books so far. It's not so good. Worse than Chalco. That's awful. I'm saying it out loud. It's not good. Better than Queechox. <laughs> it's like nunchucks, but Queechucks. Anyway, she's here in repentance of her many victims. Because she was, she made the Sun Crusher, maybe? Yeah. That Kip Durin used to destroy Carida? Yeah, I. Carida? From what I took from it, she was like Palpatine's engineer. Right. She was Galen Urso mm. in uh, the movie in between episode three and four titled Everyone Dies. <laughs> <laughs> titled K2SO. Rogue One. Rogue One. Hey, hey, hey. We're good at Star Wars. Yeah. But 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 what a name mm-hmm. and what an introduction. You know what? I'm never gonna do I'm never gonna use my brain for technology again because I once murdered everyone and then I came here with Wedge Antilles and we started rebuilding this cathedral with the technology from the ship that I used to kill anybody. Everybody, I mean. And then I was like, maybe I'm starting to feel better, but I'm not really sure if I'm feeling better, so I'm gonna have to stay here on this planet in repentance in perpetuity. And don't ask me to help you stop the Yuzhan Vong because the philosopher philosophical argument becomes if you must kill them all to beat them then what are you doing yeah what victory is that right as she posits to Mara Jade who like is like clenching and unclenching her fist like I'll knock this bitch out yeah cause she's for not wanting to blow up everything to stop the galaxy from being taken yeah over. isn't it worth using it if we can get rid of this great evil no it's not she it's also quee. she also lets us know this quee chucks she lets us know that oh yes also yes Daishara Kor was here she came to ask after super weapons she knew of the third partial death star at the maw. She wanted to know if there was yet one more. Or another sun crusher. Or perhaps other abominations that no one knew of save me. She noted the emperor seldom had only one of anything produced. And now like that last line is supposed to be like a bit of a foreshadow. A bit of a tease. A bit of a hint. Mm-hmm. The Emperor never makes one of anything. Remember, he made two Death Stars? Okay, well, apparently... What? Apparently... If I could quote that kid... Apparently... He's... 
God, he, there's a third one? Yeah, they started, started construction. Started out in the mall? What are you nodding your head? Yes, like you know this. What? Because it's it was written in here. Okay, well, okay, 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 fine. And Dalla destroyed it. What? When was that? What? When was that written in here? She destroyed it. Yeah, she destroyed oh, the she destroyed installation. The, uh, the lab or whatever. Yeah, or, yeah, which is where they were putting all that together. You're right. Yeah, you're right. They did say that. But man, there's a third Death Star? And then they say things like Sun Crusher and Lusankia. The oh. uh, the matching, what are they called? Big Strong Triangle Ships? Oh, the Super Star, Star Destroyers? Star, Super Star Destroyers. The matching Super Star Destroyer to the... One that I can't remember the name of? The Darth Vader ship? Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's called. Not vindictive. Something. We're good at Star Wars, especially late at night. Anyways. Seriously. We're getting more pre-serious. Pre-serious? Why so serious? We're getting more pre-serious references. Mm-hmm. Because... We're living in this huge, enormous epic of stories, don't forget. The thing that you're reading right now is not the only story. We're trying to sell 500 other books, man. We got to talk about them from time to time. We got to drop hints about them. We got to think about the people that we've killed after we've done it. As vaguely as I can be. Seriously, it still bothers me that there wasn't more of that. There should have been way more reflection on that from that particular character about that particular kill. Way more. Yep. Way more. But there's never enough, is there? Never enough. Anyways. Just, so just don't have any. Anyways. I remember this little lore drop about Yazan Izard and the Lusankia that was like a hidden prison is what they used it for. Okay. They they buried this giant super star destroyer under the sand of Tatooine? I don't remember all the details and we'll get to that point in a minute. But it was like part of the whole thing where like there was it was must have been the fall of the empire. And then there was also this part one of the books that I own was called The Back to War and there were okay. like the Imperials were purposely withholding medical supplies from the people, because the people, you know, it would get out to the rebels. Okay. So they're like, you can die instead. <laughs> Anyways, I remember all this stuff, Tim. I remember all this old stuff, the back to hoarding and the underground Imperial Superstar Destroyer prison from my childhood. I remember approximately 10% of it. <laughs> I remember the name and the name and something about Bacta. That's, you remember names from a, uh, Sci-fi book. Good job. <laughs> and I spelled them probably right. Don't look at my notes. Okay. Now, we're set. Luke Skywalker met someone at the last spaceport. Literally the first person he talked to was that gave him any information. He was like, Vortex. Got to go to Vortex. We went to Vortex. Someone came running out of the building we were going to and went, yeah. And then now we know where to go. What a boring scene. What a boring trip. What a pointless way to frame everything. Do they know where to go? 
Luke Skywalker knows what they're looking for. They don't know where to go, but they have like the next goal of their yeah um, Easter egg hunt. Or, or what was? Didn't we just go through this the other day? What is that called? I was driving scavenger hunt. Yes, exactly. You know what I mean? Like he's like, oh, I know where to go now. Yeah. One person came running out of this this gigantic cathedral of glass flutes, and you're like, oh, we're leaving now. Fun. Thumbs up, Star Wars. Yeah, it was so cool. The description of this and where we are and these people were so strange. We didn't talk to one. We didn't meet one. We didn't see one. At least not so far. The plan is to leave. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, that's true. But but like, really? We came all the way to this place, all these pages on this chapter. And it was just like, actually, we're going to just revisit old scars. And then you're just going to know what to do. Because she originally opens the conversation up to him by going, I'm not going to help you. <laughs> I can't help you, right? Yeah. And then she's like, I I helped you. Okay, bye. Yeah. Dude, I don't know. I, I don't know. We're set searching for a second eye of Palpatine. Because he never makes one of anything. <laughs> dog snoring. And if... No. Too bad, dog snoring. Deal with it, people. And if he was ever going to make two of anything, wouldn't it be his eye? <laughs> he needs two eyes. <laughs> right, so so now we're going to go find the second eye of Palpatine. And I swear to God, I swear to God, if they say somehow Palpatine returned, I will die a horrible, fiery death. I was watching episode nine what is it titled? The Force Awakens, and then there's The Last Jedi, or is that the last one? Whatever the hell Episode Nine is, right? Mm-hmm. These movies suck. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy, the two people in charge of writing and making these movies, be awesome, both said, we didn't have a plan. Yeah. Sorry? What? For a 40-year-old franchise that's worth billions of dollars, you went, uh, we made one and didn't have a plan. And then he hired a guy for the second one that threw most of the good stuff from the first one in the garbage and then introduced some of his own good stuff. And then he went back to the first guy for the third movie and then he was like, I'm just going to, I don't know. I don't have a plan. Literally the words in episode nine, somehow Palpatine returned. That's the fucking words in the fucking movie, man. Somehow Palpatine returned. Yeah, you wake up, dog. Somehow. Somehow. Yep. Somehow. Somehow. We need to find the second eye of Palpatine. My kids. My kids were like, what? (laughs) They, 11 and 7. Okay, I'm a dude who talks about stories a lot and what makes sense and doesn't, sure. But they, 11 and 7, went, what? What does that mean? And they were laughing. Yeah. Rise of Skywalker. Ah, there you go. Get a life. Somehow, Palpatine returned. Somehow? Somehow. That's really interesting. 
I swear to God, if he somehow returns through the second eye, I'm in a puke. Cool cathedral, though. Bye. Yep. Weird bat people. Also, why Chalco? Why Chalco? I'm done. How about a chapter title? All right. This one's just like the chapter nine. A Ah. second eye. And I got Eye of Palpatine. Yep. I was going to go with that. I thought it was too on the nose. Because I didn't want to say his name anymore because I knew I was going to say it a lot. Somehow, billion dollar movie franchise, words spoken on screen, somehow Palpatine returned. That went through dozens of script edits, that went through filming, that went through table reads, that went through editing. What? Yeah, probably would... Yeah. What? Oh, you guys should really care a lot about the ending of this movie because we told you somehow. Chapter 12. I care a lot about this book. Chalco doesn't want to sit in the car and wait. Yeah. He didn't want to have his seatbelt on while we were landing. And now he doesn't want to sit here and wait like he was told by Luke Skywalker, most famous badass man in the galaxy. Chalco. Knows better. Chalco, you have to come with us. And when we get there, wait in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Great point, by the way. Great point. I would be out of that car so fast. Sorry, what? No. Goodbye. Oh, you left a 12-year-old here? Gone. Get out of my face. Fun road trip guest, though. And this whole chapter is just a conversation between him and Anakin. Mm-hmm. That reminds me... That these books aren't meant for 34-year-olds. Yes. <laughs> this is a, a very, very much a young adult book uh, conversation where there's some super cheesy dialogue that's very blunt mm-hmm. about the point it's trying to get across. About losing people and about growing up. Why? Why? Well, because a large chunk of the audience that this book is intended for might be experiencing those things for the first time. Maybe losing an aunt, uncle, grandparent, something yep. like that. And growing hairs on your body. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever equivalents you want to make it. I'm the hairiest man in the world, so that's what I think, right? These are the kind of conversations where he literally says things like, Oh, you know, it doesn't matter if he's your best friend or not. We all get used to getting attached to people, and sometimes they leave you. Or like he says, Chaco says something along the lines of like, Ooh, uh, uh, but I, I don't really know about that stuff or like I don't really know about feelings or something like that yeah and then Anakin's like oh maybe growing up fast isn't so bad because this and this reason and then Chalco's like maybe maybe there's downfalls to not growing up at all like me because I never grew up I'm a grifter in the sp- okay yeah okay we're just opening our entire psyches up to the 15 year old child in the driver's seat next to us in the car. We don't want to be locked in because he has not through the force very explicitly, not using the force. Anakin thinks like Mara told me, don't just use the force to solve all your problems. Yeah. He manipulates this guy into doing what he wants. Yeah. Right? Just cause you can doesn't mean you should. So and knowing that you can solve the problem that way means you should find a different solution. Cause that's obviously the easy way. Yep. And, and so it's all kind of like heavy ham-fisted stuff uh, dedicated to a specific chunk of the target audience. 
but it it's not does, meant for 34 year olds <laughs> and i'm not going to judge it as such mm-hmm. it does get what part of what we've been talking about how no one's thinking about chewie's death yeah that oh yeah i didn't even that's the <laughs> whole reason mention, yeah that's the whole reason why i read that is so far that chalco's here Right, as to talk to Anakin. It's easier to talk to a stranger rather than... Like, he's going to be this outlet of growth for Anakin. Just like the natives on Dantooine, you know? Uh, Is that what's going to happen? Because you should talk to your family. Yeah. And, yeah, you're right. Like, it is... He can barely even look at the stranger and talk about it. He starts breaking... Not breaking... Not that breaking into tears is wrong, but, like... He's crying so hard he can't talk anymore and he can't look this guy in the eyes. He's just so hurt and 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 still grieving over it, right? But we don't need this guy for that. No. So what is he doing? But it's maybe this is telling us he's going to die. He's going to die at Anakin's fault. Oh, yep. Because what are they talking about? They're talking about a death at Anakin's fault. Mm-hmm. And this guy's saying, even people that you don't even know that much still hurts when they die. (laughs) (laughs) This again, epiphanous moment in the middle of recording the podcast. Yeah, okay. This is what he's saying. It's the same thing as like having that sparring match and then here we go, blowing up a ship and flying a ship out of the inside of the ship to be... uh, Yeah. Right. (laughs) What is Chalco here for? Probably that. Cut to... Old Gil. Old Gil and the Moth Council. Huh. <laughs> well, the Moth Council has opinions about this new Republic request for help. Opinions such as, let them crumble. <laughs> 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 nice. Okay, let's try a different approach. A younger Moth. Effin Soretti. Oh, that's his name, Tim. Yes, it is. E-P-H-I-N. Soretti. Effin Soretti speaks up. A young moth, a young man speaks up. Definitely a human. Yeah. Here on the Imperial Council of Moths. He says things like helping is the right thing to do. Why? Well, look, at they could have destroyed us, right? When they overthrew us and, and formed the New Republic, they could have destroyed us or declared us enemies or or fought a long protracted war but what did they do they let us keep an empire and our ships Mm -hmm. it's thanks to them that we're even in this position to be able to help them and like yeah he's he's a very forward-thinking moth you're not wrong young man because like all the old guys are like, let them die. Yeah, they hate were their, there. Hate their guts. And that's something that yeah. F and Soretti says, right? Where he's like, he, he, again, very, very pointedly and very unsubtly says directly the thing. Where he's like, all of you older people were here for the war and you all have hurt feelings and, and personal vendettas. I just want to make the empire better because I'm young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even Gil is like old warriors versus young builders type of uh, rhetoric or something. Yeah. That at, at the, the end. end of the meeting. If, if, yeah. If I had to, if all the wars were over and I had to step down, you'd be here to build it up or whatever. If only old warriors like us could fade 
could fade away and, and yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But hey man, they let us keep our empire and our ships. So we gotta go help them. It's obviously the right thing to do. So Gilad Pelion says, I'm glad you feel that way, because I'm already doing it. I'm gonna do it anyways. I didn't <laughs> I didn't ask you. <laughs> it's like I don't know you don't watch the office, but there's this moment in the office where Jim Halpert becomes becomes a manager, a co-manager, and then he's hosts this meeting, he's running this meeting, it totally gets away from him. Everybody starts telling him what to do. And then at the end of the meeting, he's like, I don't know, this really got away from me. Yeah, thanks for voicing all your... I didn't ask your opinions. You all just started talking at each other when I said information. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Thanks. I'm glad that you support me. One guy who's done, you know, whatever. He's obviously right. And and that's going to turn most of the favor of the tide. But also, we're going to be shown that he's gonna have enemies yep i don't remember what was that other moff's name morit moffat mm. i don't think it's Mo- i don't think it's, it's Mo- not moffat <laughs> you know that famous muppet <laughs> muppy <laughs> and yeah like you know we're setting up we're setting up an adversary in the like we're setting up conflicts yeah here's a three-way conflict for the empire Pelion supporting the Republic. This young guy who wants to support the the Republic and also definitely take his job. Mm-hmm. And then the other old guy who's like, no, don't do any of that. Who's going to uh, oppose them. There's a word. Yeah. Got, we got a word. But it's kind of a first, a fun, a fun little first peek behind these Imperial doors. Mm-hmm. We've been introduced to the, the formal meeting table. In front of the scenes, right? With Leia in the last episode or before that. Um, where she shows up and then he's like, Gilad is, is doing like politicking in front of these certain people. And now we go behind the scenes to the Moff Council where people actually voice what they really think. And, and he still says, I don't care. And he says, yeah, yeah, cool story. I'm in charge. I This wasn't, this, it's not a democracy. It's an empire. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and... And do what I want. Yeah. But if you all agree to supporting me, I'm not going to call your personal reserves into the war. I'll allow you to have your own personal defenses. I'm not going to strip you all of your power, your defenses, your your structure. Yeah. You know, if you support me. (laughs) The Empire, right? Yeah. How about a chapter title? Uh, growing up fast. Ooh, warriors fade. Oh, nice. Yeah, dude, we like both nailed one. it. This is so fun. This is and the and the idea of like pick words from the text. Mm-hmm. You don't have to come up with your own thing. Just find the applicable phrase because there's always one, man. Oh, that's oh, I like yours. Oh, that's good. Listen, guys. An hour and 20 minutes. Oh, no. (laughs) Into a podcast that was a page and a half long. But literally every chapter, I had something to say, apparently, that I discovered only through the text. This week, okay, it was a long episode, and I said a lot of things that didn't matter, and Lincoln's story was weird, (laughs) but it was good, and 
we also made the rounds to most of the plot threads this in, through this entire book this week. Yeah, we we touched on we hit everything. Everybody, yeah, we hit everything. And now we're parlaying with the Yuzhan Vong. We're faking dead for our sister. We're looking for an eye. We're getting cheesy, and we're teaming up with the Empire. I wonder what will happen next week when we cover New Jedi Order, Book 3, Dark Tide 2, Ruin, Chapters 13 through 16. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. Effin' Soretti. <laughs> Mom Spaghetti. <laughs> Uh, there's Vortex on your sweater already. For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.